Welcome to Surviving on Wine and Cuss Words. I'm Emily. And I'm Charlotte. Uh, and this is my brother, Alex. We uh, have a guest today. Yes. Quick trigger warning before we get started for discussions of childhood sexual abuse, sexual assault, sexual violence, and um, emotional abuse. Yay, Alex is on with us yes. today. Say today. hi, Alex. Hello. Yeah, podcast. you have to talk. It's a podcast. <laughs> um, so today, Alex, my brother, will be on to kind of talk about um, his perspective and his side of the story and his experiences through um, everything that we've yeah, talked about that we've so been far. through. Yeah. Uh, Alex, how are you? Tell the people how you're doing. I'm doing great. Yeah. Today's been great. The, the weather was good. It wasn't too cold. It was 21 degrees up mm, on the mountain. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. Awful. It was good. I was it was 69 degrees here today. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful too hot for me. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we, we explained to them in the last episode why you missed it because you stayed on the mountain snowboarding. So you missed our call and we had to put you off to this week. But here we are. Yeah. Finally. Okay. Well, Alex, I know you haven't listened to much of the podcast, but what we've kind of done is we kind of told the story about the day that we turned our dad in and then the the trial um and I guess what I want to do is kind of start with that first day yeah um, if you don't care oh yeah I was just thinking about that today preparing for the podcast Mm -hmm. like I mean obviously it's hard to lose somebody and like it's hard to uh accept that somebody isn't the person that you expected them to be you know that's an understatement yeah I mean you know I spent 14 years of my life looking up to him as like a role model Mm -hmm. without realizing all the damage that was being done but like I don't know I still think it's a privilege to have the life that I have and like I'm grateful for the way that things happen because I've learned a lot from them. Mm -hmm. That's good. I like that. Well, Alex, we told the story about um, when Emily told me and how you were in the bedroom texting with him. I'd just like to know at what point did you know what was going on? At what point did you realize or find out? Was it not until I told you? Yeah, it wasn't until you came into the room and told me exactly what happened. Yeah. Which was after we called the police and after everything got rolling when the police came and told me to tell you to stop texting. And and how did that yeah, what did how that, did look that like? hit you in your mind? Do you remember? I mean, I remember him telling me he had done something bad mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be able to talk to him for a while. Mm-hmm. And I was just confused. But then, like, I don't know, it kind of... Like there was a brief moment of denial whenever you came in and told me what happened, Mm -hmm. but just for some reason it, that didn't last very long. It just kind of all started making sense. Everything Mm -hmm. clicked into place and it felt like, well, you know, if I look at him in that light and change my perspective, then actually his behaviors make a lot more sense. I've said the same thing. 
Um, I was kind of hoping, I know that, well, I don't know, but like, I assume that you had not experienced any actual sexual abuse. Um, and so I was just kind of wondering if you could kind of tell people, like, even though you weren't abused, you were still neglected and abused in other ways, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, what comes to mind is like definitely like the alcohol and drug use at a really young age. And then um just like just like um kind of being ignored, you know? Like that always was the biggest one. Yeah. Like always like because... finding some way to get you to go away. Whether it was a video game or do you want to go to your friend's house or. Yeah. And never really yeah, knowing I mean, why. Yeah, I definitely didn't, didn't have any idea why, but like <clears throat> he was a lonely person. Mm-hmm. And so whenever it was my time, I think that was when he was at his lowest mm-hmm. and like. Mm-hmm. so that is something I definitely kind of picked up on like being able to tell when he was upset because that also meant that I get to spend time with him mm-hmm. and like it also kind of meant that like the only time I get with him is when he's upset because I remember specifically this one memory like it it, it wasn't just one time it was a reoccurring thing when I had the basketball goal and mm-hmm. like I just wanted to be outside shooting basketball because I had no friends in the neighborhood like so I would go out there and shoot for a few hours and then like go inside and ask if he wanted to do that he was always just like on his computer or doing Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. and just like I don't know he never had time to do that and I was always just like why I don't know it's not hard to go out and shoot the basketball like but that's one thing I know there are things when you were your age that might not have meant as much to you as they do now. Like looking back, um, you know, when you're given free reign to play video games or, you know, go shoot, here's your basketball goal, go shoot basketball. And, and at that time, I felt like before any of this came to light, um, that he was the, the fun one, the one that let you drink alcohol, introduced you to drugs, uh, said, play all the video games you want. Just, you know, go to your room and play these video games or go outside and do this. So it seemed like to a kid, it might've been, he's letting me do what I want. So this is the place I want to be. You know, did you ever felt like, yeah. But then in looking back and as a, as an adult, it's more, uh, I needed you to be out of the room or I needed you to be distracted in some way. Well, I, I, I wasn't completely unaware. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I was just finding the positive part of feeling neglected being that I get to do whatever I want. So I guess I might as well make the best of it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to be alone, I'm going to have fun. Right. I mean, I think one of the things that stood out to me at the time when things were falling into place and making sense was on his Facebook, 
every picture on his Facebook was of Emily. There was one picture that you were in and she was in it too, you know? And I thought I mean, to myself, he doesn't even have pictures of Alex on Facebook, which is, I mean, I know that's not much, but it's very telling, you know? Well, I didn't, I didn't let anyone take pictures of me at that age too. Well, okay. I was really insecure about that. I gotcha. <clears throat> I gotcha. Well, that makes but, sense too. I mean, I, it's not like, I don't know. I'm sure Emily, you were insecure at some point having pictures taken, but like at some point you didn't have a choice anymore. Mm-hmm. So like, And girls are different too. You know, they love the selfies and the things like that. Yeah. I love them now. <laughs> right. I mean, look at me. I mean, really, look at you. And the videos of snowboarding. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's okay. Um, <laughs> that's okay. You said that like you have some like underlying feeling of I shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> no, I said that's okay. It's like the call. I was thinking to myself, that's the Colorado selfie. That's the Colorado life there oh, that you're all red. That more yeah, has yes. to do with uh, the fact that I have red lights installed in my lamp. Well, I get that. That's the life you're living Colorado. Well, you're just <laughs> living the Colorado that. life. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. You might not have red lamps in your light, red lights in your lamp here. You might. I don't know. I don't know. I would have. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I so, have. I don't know if you want to talk about, um, like, any other kind of emotional abuse that you might have experienced? I mean, something I was thinking about today was like <clears throat> that, like the situation with him was kind of just like an accent to the way, like a trend that I had noticed in my life for a long time, where it feels like I don't understand the way things actually are. And so I end up feeling lost from it. Like you remember Snoopy? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, like this was a freak accident, but you know, as soon as we got this puppy, he gets out of the car, runs into the road and gets hit. And then like, I just remember feeling like, like what? <laughs> I mean, like, why, like, what's the reason? Like, for that and then like there was even another dog like another little puppy that nanny found and like I remember being at school telling all my friends like I get to go home to a new puppy and then I got home and they had like found a new home for her already and mm-hmm. I was like damn <laughs> like that sucks mm-hmm. like and so like the way that I process this trauma has kind of just been something that I've used my entire life and I think will continue to use for the rest of my life it doesn't feel honestly much different like it feels a little bit heavier sometimes Mm -hmm. but like you know well I've learned yeah well you've learned I mean we're all still growing we're all still healing so one thing that I think about is as a sibling who has no disclosure of any sexual abuse or trauma, you like what I'm trying to say is Emily 
for someone who hurt her, you would think logically has a reason to not ever care to see them again. But you, as a sibling that that happened to, did you ever struggle with, um, I want to support Emily and I don't ever want to see him again. And I'm, I'm on her side and I love her. And then the, the, the kid, the guy that, that says, well, I'm never going to see my dad again or for a very long time. I Did think that ever struggle. That's the biggest struggle. Mm-hmm. I think for me personally, is the fact that like, like, you know, like I said in the beginning is like relearning what somebody actually is. Mm-hmm. And like, I still have that feeling of like, you know, I don't feel like I have an actual father. Like I know I've got Bo and I love Bo and Mm -hmm. like he has done a lot more for me than like my actual dad ever has or ever will have the chance to anymore. But it's still just this feeling of like, I don't know, like when, when it was, my time to go play basketball or like throw the baseball with my dad I didn't have that mm-hmm. like the the experience that I got with Bo as a dad was the part of my life where I'm doing drugs and I'm a rebellious <laughs> teen and like we're supposed to hate each other and, and disciplinary like there was out. yeah there there was no like established foundation before that happened mm-hmm. so it just mm-hmm. felt like an unnecessary like addition to my life but like <clears throat> right yeah it, it's difficult to like put into words the way that I feel about him because I mean I've always been a really forgiving person mm-hmm. and like I don't feel any hate but it's hard to say that I feel love indifference for, for your dad yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well I know you know there were times that you had expressed interest in seeing or talking to him and just needing some sort of maybe some sort of closure like asking why or or you know asking questions I'm not sure what you would have ever asked and that um that never never came to fruition just um just out of life life happened and we just never pursued that but um does it do you ever think about that anymore like being able to talk being able to ask questions I I think about the fact that if I could even think about what questions I wanted to ask Mm -hmm. I just know I wouldn't be satisfied with the answers Mm -hmm. I highly doubt that he's learned anything Mm -hmm, because like what his testimony was in court was that you know he was abused as a child right so he had his entire life to not like to, to change to learn how to be yeah he mm-hmm. had his entire life to heal and mm-hmm. i mean healing doesn't take any set amount of time it can take your entire life to heal but Maybe. like i don't think that in the process of healing you should ever be excused from abusing so Never. Never. i just don't think I don't think he's going to actually see it that way. I think he's going to look for any reason to relieve himself from blame. To continue to, to say it's it's not as bad as you think. 
it's it's normal in these places or it's okay here or it's because of never take any responsibility yeah honestly if i went and talked to him and he said that to me it'd be a lot worse than i am now mm -hmm. like, I, I wouldn't be able to handle that because that's just more proof mm -hmm. that i didn't need right were there ever any like signs that you saw you know, growing up, obviously our parents were divorced and we both would go over to dad's house. And was there any signs that you saw as you got older that you started to realize some of this isn't normal? Like this isn't normal. I mean, uh, first time getting drunk. Yeah. I remember I, that. Yeah, I, was I do too. Yeah, I do too. And like that was not normal. And I knew that I was you know it, it i mean but being that young it's impossible to see that as a sign that something mm -hmm. is wrong because you're still in that period of your life where your parents are always right right you're still trusting <laughs> you're trusting so everything they say and that's why we're yeah. doing this because at that period in your life you didn't have the mature brain to see these things, but we're doing this kind of podcast and taking your frame of mind and Emily's point of view and my point of view and giving that out to people so that, I mean, heaven forbid, if, if there's a nine-year-old that was listening and, and thought this might be happening, some of the things that you say may indicate to them, well, this is happening to me too. You know, I, he gave me alcohol last week and you know, that, that's why we're doing it. I'm not, I'm not trying to make specifics or anything like that, but you know, I think Emily, you know, we, we talked on an episode a few weeks ago about, um, your reaction in general and an abuse victims reaction with not wanting to be with them. And we had the example of when I got married to Bo. And you just did not want to go there. You did not want to go and you freaked out. Do you remember after the wedding, how things were after my wedding to Bo? Or or did that remember, even make an impression on you? Well, I'm, yeah, it's hard to say that it did because, I mean, <clears throat> at that point, like, I don't know. I think there was still some part of me that like, trusted, mm -hmm. like my dad. Well, of yeah. Course. You know? you, yeah. I mean, you had no reason not to at that point. Oh yeah, that was. It was, was before. before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely remember thinking like, it's really hard to accept this like new man as like someone I should listen to. Care mm -hmm. about I mean, love Bo. or anything? You're talking about Bo, now. yeah, right? Yeah. Well, so I mean, it was, it was definitely hard. And so it was probably comforting to go back to your dad at that point. Yeah. And then, you know, I went and stayed with Nanny and Granddaddy because you didn't want to. You know, did you ever notice how angry Dad would get with me? I noticed that frequently, and I would also get angry with you. So mm -hmm. I thought that was just a normal thing. <laughs> Like right. at that age in my life, I just thought, you know, maybe like he would get angry for the same reasons I would. Mm -hmm. And like, I would talk to him about the things that you would do that would make me angry. And like, 
I would always be so confused when he had a reason for me to not be angry, but he would still be angry. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that's not, that's not easy. And, and I've talked before on the podcast, um, about how it was very confusing because at this time in Emily's life, she's a teenager, preteen, tween, rebellious. And I was so frustrated and confused thinking, is this just the way a teenage girl acts with her mom? You know, is she just being bratty? And, and I imagine that's kind of what you were like. She's just, Oh, Emily, you know, and, and it didn't stand out as anything that, that you would need to, that of any cause or concern. Well, I think it's also just like, so common for people to believe that teenagers are hard to deal mm-hmm. with because abuse is rampant in a lot of households right it's like right. emotional neglect that people don't even realize i read a book like about emotionally immature parents mm-hmm. and i realized how many people have emotionally immature parents and i was reading it thinking about you mom mm-hmm. thinking like damn i didn't even think of you as emotionally immature but you like display some of these qualities because everybody does everybody Mm -hmm. carries generational trauma Mm -hmm. and like ideally like I I think it's possible to live a life raising a child and just never feel like it's difficult Hmm. Uh, well you know like (laughs) I don't know not not that there wouldn't be challenges like but it feels natural like, and you know every stage yeah. of, the, of the game and I didn't know anything I, every time was something new you know anytime something came up it was something new and and I might have questioned it in my mind but it never entered my mind as abuse you know there were so many other things because <clears throat> you want to believe the best in people we as humans want to believe the best in people well you know, I was hoping that you could kind of talk on what it was like after your dad went to jail and what that was like to kind of continue on with real life and, um, you know, start your healing journey as you're like entering high school and, you know, doing all these things in your life that are already really hard on top of losing your dad. Like for me, I know it kind of felt like a death almost where it was like and it wasn't even a real death so people didn't even understand why you were mourning but it was just like this loss of like everything your life was and everything was different and I was hoping you could kind of talk about what it was like starting high school losing your dad and dealing with the trial all at once well another thing that happened right at the beginning of high school the first day actually I broke up with my girlfriend mm-hmm. <laughs> that too <laughs> so like there were just a lot of things and I just I kind of remember feeling like I just initially like none of this really matters the only thing that matters is what I'm going through right now mm-hmm. and that's you know if if you ever noticed me having bad grades not doing my homework it's because I knew from the get-go that like whatever I was doing wasn't important because it wasn't contributing to my well-being in any way mm-hmm. like I mean I just felt like specifically for high school I was just being conditioned to work and that wasn't very 
important to me. And so like, I would try and focus more on the social aspect of it. But then I felt like I couldn't really make friends because I had this big secret, like, and that, I think not talking about it at that age definitely led to me believing that one day I would become him. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my like biggest fears that I'm still getting over is that like, I don't know, just like it's in my genetics. It was in his genetics. And that was like his whole argument was that like it's family. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I'm just like, I'm not scared to talk to girls because I'm scared of rejection. I'm scared of being a creep. You know, like mm-hmm. I was like one of my friend's roommates, like we were cuddling on the couch and then just all of a sudden I just felt this feeling wash over me. And it was like, I need to leave. Like I'm literally assaulting this woman. Like, I just need to leave. And then like I found out later from my friend that it was, she actually was just having a good time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I still can't get over that. There are certain times that you stop and you think, Am I doing um, what I want or am I doing what she wants? Yeah, like I, I, it's like we're, I feel like a lot of people would, like especially, you know, teenage boys, a lot of mm-hmm. them just are doing exactly what they want without any regard to what other people want. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's unhealthy. But in the same way, what I'm doing is unhealthy because I have no regard for what I actually want. But I know what I want, but yeah. like, how am I supposed to go get that? We are hypersensitive to consent, which is, which is fine. I need a contract. I need a written (laughs) contract with a, like a video, like witness and everything. Mm -hmm. And, and it didn't help either. Are you more afraid of getting in trouble or are you more afraid of making someone uncomfortable? Definitely making someone uncomfortable. Because if I make someone uncomfortable, I feel like I deserve it you know, to get in trouble. I deserve to be like ridiculed. Like, I, and that's so I do it to myself. Like <clears throat> I've had people tell me that I really love, like that they just don't feel the same way. And like the way that I'm acting is very pushy because, mm-hmm. you know, I might have a crush on a girl who doesn't like me back. And like that kind of reaction is what makes me like isolate. It's like, okay, I need to like punish myself for that. So you get this feeling like, oh God, I must've been creepy like my dad. Yeah. I mean, because that's what you have to compare to, but you have other stuff to compare to. And that's what you need to continue working on that. You're not like him. You didn't have the same background as him. You know, you need to, continue down the path of you have role models you have male role models that you can reach out to now you're deep in thought (laughs) which is not great for a podcast (laughs) well i'm just thinking about i mean what are my options Mm -hmm. to reach out well yeah who are my male role models Bo, you can reach out to Granddaddy. You can reach out to Shane. Reach out to Heath. You know, Shane. they're okay. All right. So it's they're so unusual. 
we never talk. Like, it's unusual. That would be very unusual. That's right. You're right. I get it. But but there are people. There are people. You can, just, you don't always have to compare yourself to him or think there's that other yeah male role models not to reach out to but to kind of look up to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I they're mean, there. I I think my biggest male role models are not part of my family at all. Right. And that's something I, I find a lot of comfort in mm-hmm. because, I mean, aside from everything else, you know, growing up as a teenager, I felt misunderstood all mm-hmm. the time. That was just part of who I was in my eyes at the time was that nobody understands me. Yeah. They, like, they just can't. Like, And I still don't think people do mm-hmm. because I just have a way of thinking that is not logical to a lot of people but to me it's completely logical but i don't know it also is very emotional the way that i think like Mm -hmm. the way that i want to live my life has to do with my deepest passions and like Bo would say about like my choice of career and everyone did say at the very beginning like me wanting to be a musician was something i should not like really try for i can but it's not gonna get anywhere that's what everyone would say that's what i remember at least and like i mean here i am living in Mm -hmm. colorado like doing shows i'm not making money but like but you're doing what you love you get full support i love you you know now i do i do feel supported by y'all yeah i don't want to say that i don't but Mm -hmm. go ahead oh i was just gonna say when uh um I was wondering if you could kind of tell us your healing process and like what you do when you're feeling bad and how you, um, Oh my gosh. Daisy is calling me. I'm going to hold on. Stop. It's okay. It's okay. I'm back. I was going to pull this up and read it to you. Just a little bit of something I wrote down when I was, uh, meditating in the lift shack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So just just the end of it. I wrote a lot. But the physical experience of your life could remain completely the same, but the emotional experience will change the perceived meaning of the physical when you change your perspective. Life is an inevitable fall towards an imminent death, or it's a graceful flight with a peaceful landing and a good view along the way. And it all has to do with how you choose to view your life. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I use every time something I, if I feel like something has happened to me it's as much as it is like a hindrance to my happiness and my well-being it's an opportunity to view it as something happening for me like I got you. you know like I said earlier if there's a girl that doesn't like me mm-hmm. uh, that's an opportunity for me to chase something better Mm-hmm. instead of an opportunity like instead of like forcing me to view myself as lesser 
-hmm. it's an opportunity to view myself as more and like that's probably the biggest thing is realizing that things don't happen to you but for you so what advice would you give to maybe somebody whose sibling or somebody they loved um has experienced sexual abuse and they've just recently come out Um, what advice would you give to them to support um, the victim what advice would you give to support their own mental health especially if they've lost somebody in the process well something I tell anybody who's going through something is to put yourself first Mm -hmm. like you you can't feel guilty or responsible for somebody else's emotions if you aren't even capable of understanding your own you have to take time and you have to process and if if your main goal is to help your family which I feel like a lot of people in my shoes would want to do that mm-hmm. then you have to help yourself and you like, just have to like you would always tell me this mom if you have an empty cup then you can't be pouring into anyone else's you have to pour into yours you have to that's that's one big piece of advice because you can't give out smiles if you're not smiling you can't give out love if you don't feel love if you don't have it in your heart you've got to feel it so that you can give it and you're an extremely generous person and is there anything that you think you did right or you wish um you had done better during that time i mean i i mean like really feel like i don't feel like there was much i could have done wrong right no 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 no. I, i don't i didn't mean it like that like like you think to yourself, I'm super glad I did this during that time, oh. or I wish I had done this during that time. Mm-hmm. I can't really say that there's anything that I feel strongly about. I mean, I'm just for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that I isolated. Uh, like I did feel alone and depressed but I also learned how to find happiness in my own solitude and I think that was really important for me because now I know how to pour into my own cup mm-hmm. and I know how to draw boundaries I, right. I know how to not let people into my life that are gonna like hurt me drain you and <clears throat> it's just yeah it was really important for me to discover myself kind of alone in that time but you were surrounded by people who loved and cared about you which kind of made it safe to do that exactly and that that's another thing i do constantly feel gratitude for the family that i have and it's not i don't know i i used to think i used to feel really guilty for Mm -hmm. isolating for leaving my family i would go off you know to david's house and be family like with him but I wouldn't do that with my own family and I felt really guilty about that but like now looking back at it I understand that I just needed that I needed some separation because mm-hmm. there was a lot of trauma a lot of misunderstanding mm-hmm. and like 
it, it's made it easier for me to understand that you can't feel love if you feel guilt. Mm-hmm. Right. And you didn't do anything wrong. It's, it's, that's the first step to not feeling guilty, understanding that you didn't do anything wrong. Right. Okay. Any closing remarks? Any last things you want to get in there? Let's see. Hmm? <laughs> Let me look at my real quick. Okay. Well, you know, we were absolutely really glad to have you. I'm so glad that um, our schedule finally lined up or we could do this. Uh, we would absolutely be happy to have you on, you know, any other episodes. We typically just pick a topic and talk about it. Um, Anytime you think of something that you yeah. want to talk about, we'll do it again. Of course. When you come home, we'll do it for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll get a whole version of it. But um, yeah. so any parting words? Some kind words no. for the people. Nothing now. No. Okay. I'm good. I think if they if they want anything from me, they can ask. And they will <laughs> at surviving on wine and cuss words at gmail.com because yes, we get the message. Yes, we did get an email asking specifically for your point for your of view. Point I of think view. people really struggle with it. Go for it. Do it. Do it. He plays our uh, intro and that, outro. outro. Oh no. Do it. Just play for us. While we thank everybody for listening. Yes. And we're so glad that Alex got to come and share some of his points of view with us. Yes. As always, questions, comments, concerns, email us at surviving on wine and cuss words at gmail.com. Episodes bi weekly going out on Tuesdays, I think now. We try our hardest. <laughs> and, yeah so just keep sending in your emails of course we have our po box if you want to send in your own cork that we can hang on the wall for you um otherwise just have a beautiful week guys thank Thank you so much much. all right see you again soon bye Bye. i love you guys play us out i love you